everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm the host, Sean Boyce. I'd like to welcome my guest to the show today, Tim Yuli from Yuli Creative. Hi, Tim. How are you? And thanks for being on the show. Good. Hey, Sean. How are you doing? Glad to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm very excited to dive into the topic more, um, which would be like usability, UX, things related to that. But before we do that, if you wouldn't mind, Tim, give our audience a little bit more information about your background and how you got to where you are today. Sure, absolutely. So um, I work uh, both uh, UX and UI. Um, I've been into uh, creative work of some kind for the over the last like 15 years. Um, I went to school for film, did video production for a while. Um, I got really, while I was doing video production and the people I met got me really interested in design in general. Um, and that's when I found out that UX was a thing. The more I learned about it, um, it was, it seemed like a great way to just bring value with uh, my creative process. Cause before then I always think I struggled a little bit to find where I could, um, you know, provide value uh, doing creative work. Um, and, uh, and also I could work on, uh, on projects and technology, which also was really important to me. Um, yeah. And uh, so I uh, have studied um, over the last five years, I was studying UX um, and then I started working freelance and uh, now I'm working for a few different companies um, working in a lot of like logistical prop, uh, helping them work out like software logistical problems, um, and and designing their uh, their their internal sites at the moment. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing your background. And I know we've talked at length uh, previously at a number of different topics related to UX, which is what we want to dive into more here today. Really, like UX, like how I would summarize it in terms of how we've talked about it. It's like. UX as a competitive advantage. Nowadays, uh, despite the fact that the industry continues to move forward, I still am regularly encountering products from time to time that I just feel I have a suboptimal kind of user experience. And I have a tendency to gravitate towards myself as a user, those that have a pleasant or like a delightful user experience. So it makes a big difference in terms of how effectively software can solve problems for you. So I want to dive more into this as a topic. Uh, talk about any you know favorites or uh, particular pet peeves you have uh, when it comes to UX and design elements and software that I've used. Um, but probably a great place to start is what principles would you say are important for ensuring that you know you are investing as appropriately as you should and getting the most out of building a great user experience for a software product. Sure. So um, just to start. I feel like um, the uh, the entire, entire like industry um, in software and technology has is really now embracing design and the importance of it. Um, I think part of that is is just uh, the saturation of like all the different software spaces. You know what I mean? Like your specific genre, you have to compete a lot against a lot of different companies now. And so if you don't have have solid UX, um, yeah, if you don't have solid UX, then people are going to just drop your software and move over to something else right away. Um, you know, the exceptions might be into like super niche areas, but um, even in like internal internal uh, pieces of software that a company isn't really using for customer facing applications, um, it, 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 it's going to affect their productivity and that's going to um, affect how they can compete against their, uh, their competitors. Um, so I would say where we're at right now is that there's an awareness of how important this is. But I think one of the log jams that still exists is I don't think I don't think companies oftentimes 
know how to apply UX, know what's important in the process, and what's going to lead to best outcomes for their projects. Um, like, and and I think what needs to happen is I think uh, people who are working in some field in UX need to do is they need to communicate like what's important in the project and how that's going to affect outcomes. Um, yeah, so I think like opportunities like this where we get to speak on a podcast about it is a great opportunity to kind of educate um, audiences who are trying to build a startup or or, or improve their products um, so they can get a better understanding of, uh, you know, what kind of value that design can bring to them. Um, I know you do strategy in particular, uh, and I think, or, or you do strategy in the research um, in particular. And uh, both those things are incredibly important to um, what the UX designers themselves are going to um, be able to do. Uh, like if I don't have good information, actionable information, then I'm going to be really limited in, the, uh, in my ability to know what the best choices are for the users. Um, and I think like that's a big area, for instance, that a lot of companies are missing right now. And I hope that that is like in the same way that like people know that like, you know, contrast is important, you know what I mean? And, and, and hierarchy is important. I hope that we're getting to a place where like research is super important and knowing the problems that the users are facing um, is, uh, is going to like really impact the design process. It's well said, I think. I'm curious to get your take on this as well, too, because I hear, I think the two mentioned a lot as almost synonymous, but I, you know, based on my experience in, in product, I obviously see them as distinct. And in a lot of cases, you know, you're focusing on one or the other, not necessarily both, but a lot of people quickly rattle off the UI, UX, and just like mm -hmm. bundle them together. Uh, whereas, you know, I see them as one being kind of the design of the interface and the other one, obviously the experience. And that can mean something completely different. So I'm curious to, for you to kind of help us get a better understanding. And for those that aren't really sure, how would they, how would you define UX and, you know, the simplest terms for folks to get a really a good understanding of what it is and what the purpose of it is and why we should focus on it? Sure. Um, so UX means user experience, um, and user experience, uh, that's a good question. Um, so when you come to, when you open a piece of software, um, and you open it for the first time, uh, you generally have certain goals when you open that piece of software. Um, not all the time. Sometimes you might be introduced to something and, uh, and, and you need to kind of explore to understand like what is, what, what, it, what its potential is, but in general, um, let's say hypothetically, uh, you own a company, right? And this company does a certain thing and you use a piece of software to execute that thing. Um, so you have particular goals and you have particular actions that you want the user to take. Um, now what a user, user experience designer is going, or you, yeah, your UX designer is going to do is it's going to help connect those dots more or less for the user. Um, they're going to understand how the user is approaching the piece of software and what the what needs to be communicated to the user and how it needs to be communicated to the user in order for them to help the company achieve their desired goals. Um, so generally, um, like when I'm starting a new project, it's important for me to ask um, the, the, the company, like, what is your 
you know what I mean? What are you trying to achieve here? You know what I mean? Like, like really broadly, like, what do you want the user to do when they come on your site? Um, and, and then like, and if they have an existing piece of software and we're kind of like improving it, like what are the major sticking po- sticky points that are preventing your users from, um, from having a good experience? Or maybe an example might be like our users need to call customer service because, you know what I mean? They struggle to find this, these important documents on our site. You know what I mean? Well, why are they struggling to find the important documents on their site? You know what I mean? What are the bottlenecks that they're running into? Um, and how can we better communicate to the user? So those are some examples of, of why user experience is important. Um, it can lead to dissatisfaction, like we said before, with, the, with, the, with your customers. And it can also lead to like productivity issues. Um, yeah. Does that, does that help? Uh, answer it does. That question? It's not an easy question to answer too, because it, seems like it's such a simple concept, but it's really not experience very different than design, in my opinion. So, you know, the two obviously play together pretty importantly, as you're talking about creating the experience and the design plays a big part in that. But in terms of just describing the experience, I think it's something that's challenging to do in rather simple terms. So that's super helpful. Um, And something else we talked about too, which is a concept I've studied as well too, like from the Norman Nielsen group. And in the book, uh, The Design of Everyday Things, there's a concept in there which really changed my perspective on it to an extent or made me think about the concept differently as it pertains to UX. I like to say that I, you know, I have a strong preference for the tools that I use and especially the ones that have like a pleasant or a delightful user experience. I get frustrated when I'm trying new software and it's making me jump through extra hoops or the performance isn't great or I'm encountering errors or it's taking longer than it should or whatever it is, right? Um, obviously I'm not talking necessarily about what they're doing technically, but the experience is what I'm really focusing on. And some provide just like an absolute delightful experience. I could rattle off some examples, but the point that I'm referring to from that book that they talk about, which is like this concept of there is no such thing as user error in that we hear about this all the time. Like those of us that have been in, in and around tech for so long, um, whenever, you know, if user does something incorrectly, or if there's a common mistake that gets made, and it could be, it could have been about something like physical, you know, physical or technical or, or whatever, uh, and then it comes up in software a lot too. If that mistake gets made and it gets made repetitively, we would say something like that's a user error, like you're doing it wrong, right? Um, there's a relatively like infamous incident from the history of Apple for when they released the iPhone 4 that is antenna issue where based on, it was actually determined to be an actual defect in design, but the way that they responded to it was that they said that, well, not uh, not officially, I don't think, but the the consensus kind of was, right? Like that you're holding it wrong, (laughs) (laughs) which I always thought was a hilarious concept. I'm like, how do you hold a phone wrong? You know what I mean? Uh, But I think it does a decent job of underscoring kind of this point where it's like, you know, if however users are deciding to hold your phone and it wasn't like, the iPhone was brand new at that time, right? There were many models of the iPhone before that or different variations on that version of the iPhone. So they were holding it the same way they always been. It's not like it's this brand new concept that they've never seen before. Yet all of a sudden, because there is an issue, it, the blame kind of shifts to the user. And there was backlash, despite Apple's like ridiculously loyal following, there was backlash because of it. And you can certainly understand why. So anyway, you have more chops in this area than I do. And I, I want to get your take on something like that because um, I see it. Uh, I, you know, I've come from that world where it's 
user errors talked about a lot, but I also can see, understand, and like respect the take of like, if people are regularly making mistakes using your software, whether you know you have the ability experience-wise to like to correct them or redirect them in the right way, um, perhaps it's something that needs to be redesigned because for whatever reason, right, those mistakes continue to get made. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have mixed feelings on this. Um, to some, and, and I think we talked about this a little bit because I think uh, generally, I think I'm going to agree most of the time. Um, if you want your users to do like a certain thing and they're un, like, and they find it very challenging to do that thing that you want them to do, then you're probably going to have to make changes if you want them to be more successful at doing that thing. Like that's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the area that I kind of struggle with on this a little bit is some applications need to do a lot of different things. And so there's going to be an inevitable, so on those applications, there's generally going to be an inevitable period where the user needs to explore, make mistakes and understand where pieces are. And I think on those more complex applications, sometimes it's hard to differentiate between when a user is learning um, and when there's legitimate, like, oh, we need to redesign this. Because um, like I, we, when we talked about before, we talked about like Adobe product, products, for instance. Um, like uh, I have an Illustrator open up in, the, in my background right now, and it does a lot of different things. And, um, and I've been using Illustrator for a while and I still need to refer to like, like just Google, like, oh, how do you do this thing, uh, periodically just because it does so many different things. Um, and I have issues with Adobe products in a lot of ways where I think they do need to improve their, like, uh, their, their user experience. But in general, I, I think it just does so many different things that, you know, it, as a user, you need to take time to understand it. And sometimes there are some potential applications that it does that you're not even aware of because you never considered that this program might do this thing. Um, yeah, so I, I, I have a really mixed feeling about that. And it generally comes down to like how complex is this is this um, piece of technology that and, and how complex are the needs of the users here? Um, now, with that said, I think there's always room for iteration, and it just really ends up depending on like what's your client's budget for that, and what is their like uh, we can afford this amount of like user discomfort like when they're using this software, um, and their barrier will probably a lot of it will depend on how much competition do they have in that space. Like going back to Adobe, Adobe is like um, is is has almost a monopoly on on a lot of design software tools. Um, that's changing now a little bit, but um, in general, like they didn't have a ton of competition. So they did oftentimes don't rush to improve a lot of user experience issues that are legitimate. Um, yeah, so I think, uh, so I have mixed feelings on that just because sometimes it feels a little bit like the customer's always right and the customer isn't always right. They just need to do a little bit of work there. But um, in general, I think I agree with the premise, yeah. I think that's a great distinction. Uh, it's not as clear cut. I mean, how I might interpret it based on different sources that I've read and conversations with people like yourself, professionals like yourself, more experienced in this area than I do, is maybe essentially like 
there's no such thing as user error is a good thing to strive for, but mm -hmm. it's not universal, right? There, yes. as you said, the differentiation between learning is important, right? Because if you're making improvements, inevitably you're going to come across something that changes the way that it works. As yes. such, that change is going to require you to have to jump through another hoop or two in order to experience it, right? So just because you know you're expecting it to do it one way, the way you're doing it now, different, you have to learn that, right? And that pain or frustration or whatever is associated with the learning experience. Yeah. It's not yeah. something you can just get rid of all the time, right? Because inevitably as these things change, you're going to have to learn something. I don't know. Um I don't know if you ever played like video games in particular. Yeah, um, a bit. And I my, think video games my system are was N64. <laughs> okay, yeah. So a million so, years ago. <laughs> uh, I, like sometimes when you pick up a new game, um, at first you don't necessarily have immediate fun because you kind of need to figure out how the thing works. And, you know, a good, uh, like once again, a good user experience generally will make that process as painless as possible, but you need like some like, you know what I mean? You need to get around and you need to explore how the controls work and stuff like that in order to really start enjoying it and start moving quickly through it. Um, and, uh, and, and the more complex the game is, the more time this is going to take, you know? Um, and, uh, and I, and I think like, playing games in general or like even outside in the real world, like sports in general, you could argue it's kind of the same thing. You know what I mean? Like the, the learning period, um, even if this game has been finely tuned over a hundred years or so, you know what I mean? There's still like, you're going to not be good at it because you don't have the coordination for it. You don't understand the strategy behind it. And these are all things that you kind of need to, um, uh, yeah, these are all, these are all things that you, you need to, um, to, to address um definitely yeah 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 well said um i agree with that as well so and i think video games is a good example right because that's there's a natural progression there where different new versions of different new games new systems which require you and this is where it comes into the the experience perspectives like you might get a new controller or a new interface or a completely different experience right uh so more recently the the systems have incorporated more like physical interaction and now we've got uh, the vr element as well too so the experience because starts to become immersive so there's a lot of changes going on there right so if you took a someone like myself who's familiar with the system from long ago and simply just handed them a, a current system yeah it'd be like yeah, super frustrating exactly. right like totally overwhelming but if you want that experience you've got to learn it um once you come up to speed about it though then you know you're experiencing something completely different like Many versions are like an evolution on what you were using before. Um, so I'd be curious to get your take as well, too, on this in terms of like striking a healthy balance. Like, how do you know that you've invested enough to create the optimal user experience without pushing it too far, right? Without pushing the user beyond their level of frustration that you think they can handle in order to gain that benefit from this improved experience. Keep hitting you with these like, these difficult yeah, questions. No, absolutely. <laughs> so I guess part of it would be like, you know, um, what is your company or uh, or client's budget? You know, that's a good constraint that's going to be like, all right, well, we hit the end of the road. We can't make any more iterations right now. So that's like a, well said. that's an obvious one. Um, the next one would be, um, huh, that's a really good question. Um, 
because to an extent, like, I, like whenever I've worked on like a creative project before, like you're never, you never feel satisfied at the end of it. You're all like, you also, like, you always look at it with mild discomfort. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, I, I, for instance, I'm working on, on a, um, <clears throat> on a pretty massive project right now. Um, it's got like over hundred pages on it and we're doing it, you know, wow. we need, um, we need it to work with all different kinds of screens and it's got a lot of different functionality to it. Um, and you know, as I'm going through it and I'm looking at these things, I keep seeing like, Oh, we could do this a little bit better. We could do this a little better. And at some point you got to be like, you know, you got to draw a line, um, at least for the time being, uh, there's all like, generally there's an opportunity. A lot of times there's an opportunity to go back, but not all the time. Um, and, and really a good UX project process requires consistent iteration you know what i mean in the most ideal environment um so i guess um i like i i would say it would probably come down to analytics honestly um you know you're looking at the information and where like are there made first you want to tackle like major bottlenecks you know what i mean like there's this really important thing we want the users to do and they're generally not doing it like how can we change this you know what i mean um so that's a good place to start um and and you're going to have to do some cost benefit analysis there at the end of the day, because um, this is a is a is is a business. Um, you have certain goals, um, and is the application achieving the goals, or could it could or will these margins really affect our outcomes? You know what I mean? If we if we improve it by ten percent in this area and five percent in this area, like that's how you can kind of start to attribute like it's worth jumping into this. It's worth jumping into this. Um, I remember when I was. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of going on a tangent, but I, I remember when I was um, studying UX and there's something called uh, user-centered design. Um, and the concept is everything you design is for the user, you know, um, and, or human-centered design, I think is what, what it was called. Everything you design is for the user. Um, uh, and, um, like and like those those are your primary considerations and it was a very humanist look and i was surprised that they kept pushing it because even when i was studying it i was like nobody's going to pay me to design something for the user they're going to pay me to design something that ex that accomplishes their goals um so like at the end of the day um if the project you're working on is meeting your primary goals then you're probably in a relatively good spot and you can and if you have time and budget left you can improve things on the margins. Um, yeah, that's generally probably how I would approach that. Yeah. yeah. I would agree as well, right? Diminishing returns. So got to get into, never, probably never want to be in a position where you're completely satisfied because like you said, there's always more to do to make it better, yeah. but you got to do it within reason, right? Like we're trying to do it while we're controlling budgets and we're prioritizing other work that needs to get done. So that's, those are important elements to keep uh, in front and center for your project as well also. Awesome. Thank you, Tim. Uh, great conversation. I could talk about this forever, including all the products that I love and all the products that I hate. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> on them from a UX perspective. In fact, I've thought about doing a YouTube series. Maybe you'd be interested in joining me if we, uh, if you're feeling uh, up for it. But like, yeah, yeah no, I thought of it like a product roast great. where yeah. just like tear apart software products. Um, oh, I actually them. had this exact idea <laughs> did a you while really? ago, a few months That's ago. Awesome. Yeah, I did. I would love yeah. to do it. I, I also thought I think of, it would be a lot yeah, of fun. No, absolutely. Yeah, cool. that would be great. Yeah, let's talk yeah. more about it. Um, for this episode, two other questions I have for you. The first sure. is uh, what any resources that you recommend folks dive into or check out where they can go to learn more about anything we talked about today? 
Yeah. So um, I have two books um, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave it at two, uh, two books that I'm, um, that I, that I've been into recently. One is, uh, have you heard of um, Ruin by Design? Um, it's by Mike Montero. Very good. So yeah. yeah, this, this one's got a bit of a political slant, not like in any like serious partisan way, at least I don't feel it is generally. Um, but um, it's, uh, it generally, the argument is that um, a lot of the systemic issues that we have in society are were design choices that were made on purpose and the outcomes we're getting were actually the desired outcomes to some extent. Um, and it's an interesting book because it legitimately uh, views, like it, it approaches the world through the eye of a designer and, um, and the people who, um, that sounds a little conspiratorial, but but a lot of the the institutions who put these things together were doing these things by design. Um, and uh, the next one is uh, the storm of creativity. Um, I like I I'm a serial procrastinator, um, and it's been something that I've dealt with my entire life, um, and uh, and especially in creative projects. Um, you know, like nothing's worse than like the blank page. You know what I mean? Staring at the blank page no matter what oh, yeah. you're doing. Um, and this book uh, goes into like the creative process, why we run into these things, how to overcome these things. Um, this one's by, uh, I'm gonna botch this name, uh, Nihileski. Um, and uh, it's, um, yeah, it's a re- really in-depth look at, at the way our creative processes work and how, how um, to approach complex creative problems, yeah. Thank you for the suggestions. Uh, they're unique as well, which I find super interesting. I'm looking forward to checking out both myself. Oh, we'll link to those in the show notes. And then the last question I have for you is who should reach out to you and how can they get in touch? Uh, yeah, no. Um, if you like in general, uh, if you're trying to um, improve both the uh, visual design and the user experience um, of your product or, or um, piece of software that you're working on, um, like you're probably an ideal person to sit down and chat with me for a little bit or you know, if you're just interested in these topics, um, I love talking about this stuff and I love meeting new people. So uh, I, no one should hesitate to reach out to me. Um, my email is tim at yulicreative.com and my website is uh, yulicreative.com. And that's spelled E-U-L-I-E for Yuli. Yeah. Very good. Thank you, Tim. I'll make sure yeah. we link to that stuff in the show notes as well, too. So if anybody didn't pick it up, just go to the show notes for this episode to get more, you know, to make sure you've verified the correct information. Awesome. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate you being here and sharing your knowledge. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, sounds great. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we'll uh, do this again. Thanks for listening to this episode of Product Launch. I hope you got value out of it. I like to feature product people on my podcast because that's who I love to help. I'm a product strategist and I can help you scale your business and grow your profit through a product. If you'd like to learn more about how I can help you, email me at sean at nextstep.io. That's Sean, S-E-A-N, at nextstep, N-X-T-S-T-E-P dot I-O. Or visit my website at nextstep.io. That's N-X-T-S-T-E-P dot I-O. Hey folks, Sean here, and thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you did, I'd encourage you to also sign up for my free five-day email course about launching a profitable B2B SaaS application for less than $750. 
If you'd like to sign up for that course, you can do so at nextstep.io forward slash B2B SaaS.